Welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 184, and it is an X-Men catch-up episode coming at you live. Not really live, but I wanted to say that. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yes, hello, everybody. I do what I want. I do do what I want. And what we're going to be talking about tonight will be Fallen Angels, Marauders, and Excalibur. Which one of these doesn't belong? And as I mean doesn't belong, which one do I actually like? I mean, really. It's not great. Oh, my. Well, I want to tell you before we get into that, let me, you know, tell you where we are around the internets and stuff like that. We are on Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We will follow you back. Hey, and also we have a website where you can go and get all the written reviews for the books that come out each and every week from Marvel. And that is WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. There's going to be a theme here. We also have a YouTube channel that I started really upping the ante a bit and putting a bunch of videos up, Marvel and DC stuff, eventually even getting to some indie stuff. We'll see. But that would be Weird Science Comics on YouTube. We also have a Patreon account that you can support us for the many podcasts that we do here on the Marvel side of things. Also, we have a DC podcast that we have two episodes a week as well. And if you do go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, you will get a lot of other exclusive shows that deal with comics, mainly Marvel and DC. Also have some non-comic book things, but one of the things that we do each week is we have a Patreon-exclusive show where two books from that week's new releases are picked by the highest level, the Bad Butts of the Fresh Start group, beep boop, and they get to pick what we talk about, and those books will only be on the Patreon as an exclusive. That's what exclusive means, boys and girls. And this past week, we ended up talking Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 17, and Daredevil number 20, a book that I love. I love it so much, I would marry it. I once said that I'd marry the Invaders. When that first came out by Chip Zdarsky, I'm telling you, I have now divorced the Invaders. I am now in a toured love affair with Daredevil number 20. And the thing is, I have tried to put a ring on that and got on my knee. Daredevil, no, it's not accepting. There's too many people in love with the Daredevil. Daredevil told me doesn't want to commit to just me. And it made me sad, but that doesn't make me love Daredevil any less. I will prove my love to Daredevil eventually. I'm telling you, Daredevil, you ain't going to get to escape me. I'm going to be there for you. I do what I want. I do what I want there. But we're going to go off right now and start this week's show with 
Fallen Angels. All right, and it's Fallen Angels number five. And I think if I had to pick between Fallen Angels, Charlie's Angels, the Blue Angels, and Snow Angels, I think I might go Snow Angels. I always enjoy a Snow Angel every now and again, especially in the middle of summer, right? That'll make no sense. And this Fallen Angels number five is written by Brian Hill, art by Simon Kadransky, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Here is the recap page, which has the roster that has tripled almost. And that was one of the things that I've said about this Fallen Angels, that I'm a dummy. I don't remember things. I have a really bad memory. I have no attention span. So if you have a book that really only has X-23, Kid Cable, and Psylocke, I'm down because I can remember Psylocke. I love Kid Cable and X-23. X-23, one of my favorite characters in comics. So I can easily remember those. You start adding Bling and Husk, you know, then things get a little wacky for me. But I will tell you, I'm talking a lot of shade on this Fallen Angels book and have been since the beginning. We're almost done. This is the penultimate issue. And I actually don't mind this issue that much. I I really don't. I think that this is a pretty good issue. You don't get a ton of stuff. But what I get, I got kind of fired up about. And it is one of those like classic, the penultimate, where you're going to gather the team. They're going to put the hands in and go break. You know, one of those things, team. And I was kind of fired up by it. But here is the recap. Lead the way. Mutants around the world are flocking to the island nation of Krakoa for safety, security, and to be part of the first mutant society, possibly also to become famous and rich on the YouTubes. I don't know. After a prophetic vision, Psylocke hunts for a mysterious new enemy, Apoth, responsible for the creation of a dangerous new cyber drug called Overclock. Apoth uses children to do his bidding. Psylocke, X-23, and Cable mean to stop him, but they'll need help. And that's what this issue is about. It's just the kind of, let's gather up this help, let's get the team ready, and then we can have a real kick-butt finale. And I hope that's what happens. I didn't really hear much about the finale of this book. I just always heard bad things. But this issue, even though we're, we're still, we're not going that far, even since when we started in issue number one. It's always been about APA. It's always been trying to find it. Now, we're finally kind of getting there. But really, that's all the six issues. That's too many issues for what we got. I I will admit that. Also, when we first started this, I told you I had talked to Brian Hill personally. And he said that this was always going to be a six-issue mini. It was only about Psylocke, getting Psylocke in a new position here. She has her body back, all this stuff. But reading this, I'm not even getting enough of that. In the first five issues Including this one Hopefully the sixth issue Will tie some things in It just is a book That is kind of Meandering a lot It's not doing a lot I don't think it's doing enough Uh, I love I said I love X-23 I love Cable I don't mind Psylocke now And you're adding Some other characters That aren't exactly Characters I know And I'm not getting That much from this But when you start off You pretty much are having interviews. You don't know who's doing the interviewing. It ends up being Laura. It ends up X-23. And, you know, hey, Kid Cable, you okay? You fine? Yeah, yeah, you know, whatever it was that had me, let me go. We saw before what had him was pretty much, I don't know, a a Mr. T-Bling wearing Skeletor made of, you know, tech. 
But yeah, he even spells it out. I don't know. Apoth, it was saying Apoth wants the end of all difference. That sounds like genocide. I don't do genocide. Neither do I. Then you end up having Husk. And Husk has, you know, a, a crazy backstory. Oh, my dad was killed. I end up having to do it. But at least has a thing that gets her on the team of, you know, I hear kids are getting hurt. Well, I'm I'm going to do something about that with you. And these are continuing this concept that we had at the beginning of these mutants on Krakoa, that Krakoa, the heaven that's supposed to be Krakoa, is not jiving well with each of them. I do like Husk's deal the best in this beginning, where she says, you know, I heard about what happened to Psylocke. I heard she went a little crazy. Is she crazy? I, I'd like to know this, but... How can you live in what they call heaven if you don't take care of the crap that's going on outside of it? It doesn't seem right. Now, this is going to kind of go against the concept of Krakow and the mutants of let humans do human things. If if they want to kill each other, let them kill each other. Even Magneto in this issue, he comes around from this and says to Psylocke, you know, and bringing back his past and the, you know, concentration camps and things like that. It really is the thing in my mind. Apoth really screwed up, I guess, by getting kids involved. Because this seems to be the trigger to everyone, including Magneto, who says, you know, you go and do what you got to do. You have my full trust. You're allowed in and out of Krakoa anytime you want. And all of this just always comes back to what, you know, hey, Apoth, he's this techno gotta yeah i don't really care about that way yeah he's doing bad things to kids i'm in that's the trigger and you do see that it is laura gathering this team they do need help to go after a pot you end up having laura then going off to talk to psylocke and saying we've got a team we have a team they're ready to go and i like that psylocke says listen i don't really have a reputation you know i'm just back in my butt all these things so whatever you did to get these other people in it was all you, and thank you. Thank you uh, so much. And then you just kind of go with this vision again. Like I said, a lot of this whole series here just keeps repeating things, keeps reiterating stuff. And, yeah, some things kind of hit harder at different times. But overall, you just kind of want them to get this team and get the hell off Krakow and start kicking butt. Go get a but, but you're still going to kind of meander to get that big issue Number six, and it it is the whole idea here where Laura says, I didn't see that vision that we saw last issue where, you know, Psylocke was just sitting there and saw the big apot deal and and Laura didn't see anything. She says, I didn't see anything, but I trust that you did. I I think that you did. Psylocke says, do you believe in God? And she's like, well, you know, I don't know exactly what's out there, but I'd like to think that there is something. There's something looking over. There's something that's, you know, guiding some things. Well, Psylocke says, you know, almost like I kind of want to believe that, too. But when I didn't have my first kill, I really thought that God was going to punish me, that God would yell at me, that God would come to me and tell me. But God never did. I didn't hear a voice. But. You know, and ends up saying, my lover, Matseo, told me that God creates the rest is up to us. But when she ends up hearing, this is her justification in her head of seeing this vision, hearing Apoth saying, I think that I'm allowed to hear that. Maybe that's God letting me hear that. Maybe this is God saying I have to do something about it. 
And yeah, I just I hope and I hope that we can do this, but I gotta go and see Sinister. He's gonna hook me up with something. And what he's gonna hook her up with is pretty much hook up to her in the overclock. They end up having one of those overclock devices. And you have Sinister, who's done a little, you know, hacking into it that's going to allow, this is going to be the portal. It's almost like going into the Matrix or maybe even a Tron-esque thing where you hook it up, Psylocke gets it. And with that, she can now go into the techno world and attack Apoth right on. Just go head in and attack. But before this goes on, she's got to test it. If she ends up trying, it may not work. Or... Like Sinister says, when you go into this, into his world, Apoth's world, you're going to be alone at the gate. You're going to be yourself against everything. Uh, So let's test this out. And again, every scene kind of just goes on a little too long. The pacing is always a little off. Again, I've mentioned this before, but talking to Brian Hill, and this is like me name dropping, right? I'm so fancy. But he is a guy who does movie and tv stuff there's a different pacing there's a different pacing to an episode of a tv show different pacing to a movie than there is of a comic book and he is more new to co- and the pacing he said he's he has a little problems with it he's adjusting i think he is getting better whether or not you like this series but even over at dc batman and the outsiders i've had problems with it but i do think that he's getting more in tune with the comic books and i i like that though he seems to now want to have no parts of comics but we'll see but you end up having this where it could blow her mind this could be you know like an acid trip that you're not going to come back from And you got to test it out. And they do. I don't like the progression of this. You end up where she ends up, Psylocke, using the overclock. Boom, she's in this virtual world. That is a contained world that is there, that Sinister is set up, almost like this is a beta test. And you're going to have a closed beta. She's going to end up being able to test this out, see if her mind can take it, then come back. Not really. No fuss, no muss, unless she loses her mind. But that's beside the point. In the meantime... You go off to Dubai, where you do legitimately have Apoth, who is techno-attacking Dubai with his overclock, with his whole deal, with his godlike powers, taking over the advanced city, turning it into their throne, they say, and pretty much having the greatest thing on Earth and techno-deal under his thumb and getting kids. You have his whole deal, but the progression of, you know, Having Psylocke and then she, it doesn't progress well. There's not a good transition because it looks like all the same and it, it's kind of spelled out that it wasn't. But you do end up then with Psylocke. She's able to go through this and you have Sinister. He, he kind of seems like real sadistic here. Like he's getting his kicks out of this. Like, hey, how did it feel like to have all my nobody? Oh my. And she's like, eh, I've done it before. And I think that he gets upset. Like, Ah, huh. I, I wanted some. I wanted some details here. Give me the deets, baby. But says so I can go and find Apoth with this device, with this overclock. And now you you get the kind of small print. Now before it kind of seemed like okay, you go into the Matrix, you go into Tron, you get on your light cycle, you take off, and you're going to go and find. No, no, no. It's now I can use the device to find him, right? Well, yeah, if you're in his proximity. Okay, well, you're going to use the device to find him, but to find him, you have to find him. I don't like the way it's spelled out. It should be this device. 
I can use it to destroy him, right? I can use it to fight him. I can use it to go and get him, right? And then, yeah, well, you have to. So, yeah, it's like, can I find him? Yeah, if you can find him. All right, thanks. Thanks, Sinister. You did nothing, but that's not what it really means. So you end up with all of this. And and Sinister keeps saying at one point, hey, as long as you get some sexy, funny stories, I'm good. Now it's like, oh, you know, you don't have to thank me because I, I don't want him to infect the world. You owe me nothing, all this stuff going on. And so you then go back to one of those things that we're doing. We're having a lot of Quan in her early days flashbacks this one actually shows you that seems like that first real kill was her master that she ended up killing it's like the sith you got to take them out well you you go from there and now you're gonna get montages again i don't mind this issue but again there's not a ton of forward progression i want to get to dubai i want to start kicking butt find them to find them proximity kick butt but you're now gonna have Psylocke go one of the big things is her and Betsy you know the combined body that whole deal and when Betsy left she took power all that well you do have Psylocke go over and look at at Betsy say hey you know I'll get back to this I might be able to forgive you you're getting a little of that and then Psylocke goes off to see that this new strike team that they're going to have to go after Apoth they're training Eh, it's okay you get a little I wish you got more of a full out Real explanation and really visual deal of their power sets. You kind of do, but you kind of don't. And some of it, the art, in my mind, it's one of my biggest pet peeves, really, with a lot of the things. I find it more at Marvel than I do over at DC. And it might be for specific artists, but it's so close up at points. Why are you having, I hate when you end up wanting to have these close up shots where you don't really get the the real gist of the powers or the action going on. You you get some things. You see that bling, she can turn things into diamond and herself and things like that. Uh, But even stuff like Husk going after Laura, it just didn't play out as well as I think it should. But they're, they're training together. They're ending up fighting. I mean, at one point you do appear to have, you know, I guess it might be Bling's foot missing Laura's head as she laughs. That's a weird scene. Uh, but yeah, they're doing that, and that's where Psylocke shows up. And now all of all of this going on is not exactly the things that I'm saying where I said I was fired up. From here on out, where we only have like two or three pages, but that's what I, that's all I need to get excited. Because what you get then is Psylocke showing up. Here's this team that has pretty much said, yeah, we'll, we'll go fight with Psylocke, even though they don't really know Psylocke. It took Laura, X-23, to go and recruit them. Psylocke comes in and really, in my mind, such a well-written scene for Psylocke and how we've seen even her origin stuff and things where Brian Hill has her go and say, listen, hey, everybody, uh, I am really glad that you're joining up. And I'm telling you right now, you may not know me, but if you are going to fight with me, I will fight to the death for you. I will make sure that your trust is earned. I will protect you. I will do nothing. Nothing can stop me from saving you guys if you're doing this and says your lives are more important than my own. And I give you my word. It fired me up. It really did. And then you even have her say, give me. The honor of leading you. And I really like that. It it actually, I'm telling you, for all the the crap I've talked about this book, 
this scene would say it actually gave me a little bit of the chills and i i appreciate that and you even have them where bling goes to x23 laura she always like this she always so dramatic and then laura's like yeah i saw her smile once once and again a lot of the dialogue up until this point has been a little iffy this isn't though and then out of you know just for the heck of it you end up having Huss go over to Psylocke and say, My daddy died in a coal mine. I've been fighting my whole life to make that feeling go away. I heard this thing likes killing children. There ain't no paradise worth letting that happen. Again, I'm like, this this is great. Where where was this stuff before? You know, and so they, they put hands in and even like, hey, if this is heaven, I guess we're angels. And, you know, the Bible that I read, the angels, they have swords of fire and they go and kick butt. So I'm into like angels and warriors. Let's go. They're all fired up. They're ready to go hands in and break. They're off. And then you end up then having a Psylocke go to Magneto and Magneto. Again, this is good dialogue. It, it, this makes more. It, it hits home more with this says. You know, hey, I usually, the old me would have said, you know, mankind, they could fight it out. They can do their own thing to each other. We'll sit here on our paradise island. Sit there, it's fantasy island here for us. Uh, you know, where's Tattoo? Because I would usually say we stay here. But, Silak, you want justice, and you want to be justice. And the boy inside me, the boy that grew up in that internment camp, knows what you want and understands that. And it's really good. And says, you're rare among us, Psylocke. You understand the gift of Krakoa. And I think this is very important, whether or not it, it really is important. But it's important to me that, again, explains everything better than, hey, there's Cable and X-23 hanging out of the Burning Man fire. And they don't fit in. But this line saying, you understand the gift of Krakoa more than anyone else because you understand heaven because you've lived through hell. A lot of these other mutants here that, yeah, we've all had to fight or whatever. Nothing like you. And you understand what this means here because of the hell you went through. And you have to stop this because of that as well. And I think that that's really, really well played out. And then he says, you never need to ask my permission again. You you have my trust. You do what you need to do. I trust you. And you don't have to ask. And then ends up raising up. They, they jet and off they go They have their own jet I mean this really at this point If this was going to continue This is almost like an issue That should have been the issue one Where they're almost like the You know They're not the X-Force They're not the Marauders And that's the problem We're, we're getting this here at issue five We're only going to go to six So we know it ends anyway But just the concept of everything When they get the jet And they're going to go off It is like the side X-Force and kind of Marauders. It doesn't really feel like it has a full own identity, especially as we're getting to an end where we're just kind of get there and go. But I'm excited to go and have them kick butt because, yeah, Apoth is a jerk. He's doing stuff to kids, all of this stuff. And I do like the team. And I'll admit from this little bit, I actually like Bling and Husk too, especially Husk. I, I actually like, I didn't know Husk before this issue. So I'm pretty cool with this one. Now, all of that said, not much happens. Not much happens in this. And the stuff that really got me going was only like three, four pages. So I can't give this huge high marks here. But I'm still, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I actually enjoyed it by the end. I'm fired up to see this last issue. 
And that's, you know, what can you say better than that? Simon Kudrensky's art still is not my cup of tea. It, it ended up starting out okay. At least in this one, you're not getting as many darks and purples in the color department, but it's still some of the angles I said are a little too close. Also, it's just some of the characters, the shading, and even just the way they're drawn end up looking like mannequins. And again, I might be saying more along the lines of the, you know, the inks and the colors, but it, it always is that way. With Simon Kadransky, it just it doesn't get the style doesn't hit with me, but it's okay. So eight out of ten. And now I'm gonna move on to Marauders. All right, next we have the Marauders number six. We're at number six, we are. Written by Jerry Dugan, art by Matteo Loli and Mario Del Pinning, I think. Uh, I'm trying to look at it, and it looks a little weird. Color artists are Eric Arcinega and Federico Blee and Letters VC's Corey Pettit. Pay Your Dues is the name of this issue, as if we're part of some comic book union, right? Is that what it is? Mayday, Shinobi Shaw shipped the upstart, sent out a distress signal from Marjapur Bay. After coming under fire from the agents of Hominis Verendi, a mysterious new organization that means to tear pretty much mutant kind of new one, it should say, right? Captain Kate Pride and her crew sailed the Marauder to Marjapur, hoping to rescue Shinobi and the refugee mutants in his care but were intercepted by Hatemonger, one of the worst, one of the worst, an executioner in the name of Hominus Rendai. And I, I do end up complaining sometimes where you end up having a villain in a comic book and the creator of the villain, or even somebody who just has the villain in their issue, they think that just that villain and how they look, how they, that is enough to you know pretty much designate, ooh, they're awful. Hatemonger does that. I mean, you see Hatemonger, yeah, bad, just awful. So you do end up starting with that where Pyro even says, wear a sheet and get beat, you racist clowns. And he's going to town, him and Lockheed are, you know, trying to burn them as executioner. And Hatemonger are going there. Well, they almost end up killing Bobby. Bobby is down for the count. And you have Hatemonger with this flaming sword that's just going to just destroy Bobby. Well, thank God, Kate's there, phases up through the floor of the deck, grabs him and pulls him down, and then comes back up. Ends up having Lockheed down below to take care and help Bobby. Uh, and so Kate goes up and she is pissed. While this is going on, you have Hatemonger pretty much giving the sleeper hold to Pyro, tells him, just let it happen. I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about, but he's awful. He is awful. Yeah, so you end up having him saved by Kitty. She ends up grabbing him. They phase. You end up Kitty stabbing Hatemonger. Well, then at that next second, as the action's going around, and this is where when I said about the stuff being too close, the last issue with Simon Kadransky and Fallen Angels, this isn't. This is done very well, where you do have some close-ups when things are happening, but it pulls back out, just give you the full idea. And the choreography I really like, where Kitty grabs Pyro, pulls him through Hatemonger, and then ends up stabbing Hatemonger with a knife. But at the same time, you end up have Executioner come with this you know, electric pole where it almost gets Kitty, but she phases. So it ends up going through her. The problem is... Pyro's right behind, and he does not realize what's happening. He gets hit. He ends up, he yells at Burns. He ends up getting a little hole in his chest. There's blood coming out, and 
And a twist that I never would have seen coming is this is like inner space or, or you know, the fantastic voyage, that, that sort of deal. Well, because in this poll, when it did pierce into Pyro, out came a miniaturized submarine that has yellow jacket and who's now going to go through the bloodstream of Pyro, get to his optical nerve and pretty much set Pyro up as a surveillance system that they're going to use. And I mean, they as in Hominus Verendi, who we see celebrating after this, they're going to use, you know, Pyro to go around and everything he sees and hears, they're going to see and hear. And you get the idea. Yeah, that's going to be going to Krakoa even. But it feels weird that I would think that maybe the gates, the, the gateways, they'll end up sensing this, sensing a non-mute. I don't know. It just seems a little weird the way this is going. But at this point, it's fun. And later, you end up having a communique from Yellow Jacket when you end up having Pyro and Bishop go and do a security sweep of the Marauder. So they're going through all of the rooms and things where Yellow Jacket just loves everything about the, the Marauder ship. It's really impressed with it. It's, it's done for laughs as well. But where we go back here, where you end up having Pyro, he's hurt, but... You know, you, and with Hominus Renda, you go to them and they're celebrating. They're, they, they only look like kids are drinking wine. I hope that that's just grape juice. I really do. But they're like, oh, man, we're doing it all. We're going to take over the world. And they say, yo, we're going to get some secrets out of this. Uh, Pyro's going to go and find out things. And really what we'll do is the kind of the lame secrets, they're still worth billions. We'll get but but the real good secrets, we'll either keep them or send them to TMZ, right? T- no, we'll just keep them. All right. Well, while this is happening, you do end up seeing Shinobi for a second. He's got his ship. They're going. And then Kate pretty much is going to go head on against Executioner and Hatemonger. And I like her dialogue. It's very heroic. It's very hero-esque where even says like, and it actually, it reminded me a lot of the first Avengers movie where you end up having Loki and the one guy stands up, you know, I've heard any when Steve comes and says, Captain America says, you know, I heard a lot of people telling crazy talk like you back in World War II. I, I like where Kitty says to Hatemonger, eh, before I knew I was a mutant, I was real afraid of guys in hoods like you. But you know what? I'm not afraid anymore. I'm going to take you down. But... Yeah, I'm going to run right now because I have other things to do. But don't think that I'm scared of you because I'm not. I just have to go to this other ship over here. You know, the ship that ends up having Donald Pierce from Marjapur and also Chenzo, that awful lady who claimed that her husband ended up getting swallowed up by the gate from Krakow. But I'm going to go over and see what they're up to because they seem like bullcrap. And when she does jump over onto the ship, she phases into it and ends up going and seeing that. They have a full-out cargo of that anti-mutant armor that we saw in Russia earlier, stuff like that. So this is a ship that they really, the mutants have to really, and marauders have to get this ship and take care of it. This is bad news. Ends up going up to, you know, Donald F. and Pierce, what the heck are you doing? And Chenzo, I can't stand you. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to throw both of you off the ship and we're taking the ship. Well, Donald Pierce pretty much says, no, you're not. This is Marjapur. I don't know if you looked over there, but that's Marjapur. We're in the bay. This is kind of our deal. And Kate's like, I I don't care what you're saying. You have stuff in there. It's against the mutants. Also, you're working with the Klansmen and these all the you are nonsense. And so you end up where and it's, it's cool, too, because you have Pierce say, hey, uh, 
you going to take us out, you and what army? Kate's like, I don't need an army. I, I don't need anything because this armor is not getting ashore, whatever you're saying, but I'm going to throw you over. I don't know what these metal limbs, if you're going to sink or not. I hope you can swim, but that's what I'm going to do. Then goes to old Chen Zhou. Nobody can like her and says, I'm going to throw you over a tune. She says pretty much diplomatic community. Yeah, yeah, we're lethal weapon here. And because you end up then Kate saying Just been it's been revoked and punches her right in the face. And I know that, you know, Kate's Kitty's powers isn't, you know, super punch, but. This is an old lady. I don't know that. I didn't see that she can necessarily take a punch like this. <laughs> you better watch. You're going to kill her. Um, but, yeah, they're still not completely off the ship or done. And Storm comes up like pretty much a bad butt and says, yeah, uh, we're going to take care of this. While this is going on, you do end up because, remember, Kate jumped from the ship that Hatemonger and Executioner were at, but they're right there. They end up trying to throw a bomb over at Kate. Bishop jumps in the way, absorbs the bomb, and then throws the energy to knock both Executioner and Hatemonger down. And then Storm ends up pretty much, you know, getting a wind going up so that Pierce gets up in the air and then just freaking roundhouse kicks her like Jean-Claude Van Damme right off the boat. Right off the boat, he goes and even says, I hope that you can swim with it. Yeah, I asked him, he can, Kate says. And he goes off right in between Hatemonger and Executioner. And then Kate's just like, oh, well, I'm going to get in on it. And again, just been it's revoked. been revoked. Picks up Chenzo and throws her right off into the water. Well, now we're going to get and, and again, we're like, OK, well, I guess this isn't the issue that Kate dies. Thank God. And again, I, I explained it the last time we talked Marauders. I know that Kate dies. This has been spoiled to me. It was hard to escape. And I will tell you, when it did happen, not that I can remember the exact date or whatever. That's why I never knew which issue it was going to be. But at that point, I was not thinking of reading these books. I was done. I, I had read Hox Pox. I wasn't real interested. I wasn't going to do it. And I started because the shutdown started and started doing this. So I'm enjoying it more. But... When the spoiler came out, I wasn't avoiding spoilers because I didn't really care. And even so, I'm not a guy who really cares about spoilers. I, I really am not. But you end up where, you know, Kate didn't die. All right. So Bobby comes up. He was down. Yeah, I feel, I, you know, I'm real ashamed that I couldn't do more in the fight. Uh, but oh, well. And then you have Bobby and Storm who have been pretty much, you know, we can't leave Kate's side. One of us at least has to be around her because she can die. The whole idea that if she does die, can she be re resurrected? Because Krakow and her, they have a little tiff going on and nobody's real sure. Though I thought you could probably answer uh, or, you know, question. Ask the five at some point. Hey, you have anything in there cooking that could be, you know, Kate down? But they just have the theory and the fear that she won't be able to be resurrected. So they have been on her like personal bodyguards this has caused a little conflict recently with frost and bobby so all of this going on they have to get the ship this is a ship that needs to get back to mutant kind so they can study the armor at least get it off the market if they can't figure out any they're going to destroy it all that they decide well we can't really go to krakoa it'd be dangerous who knows let's go to m we'll meet there this is the plan. And you end up having, you know, Bobby like, oh, you know, I, 
kind of needed to do something. I'm going to be a guest judge on Drag Race this week. You know, can I go? And Storm, well, I'll stay here. And Bobby, yeah, I could skip it. I'll stay here. And Kate just says, no, 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 I I don't need a babysitter. And, And even when they say, oh, that's not what we meant. No, yes, you did. She knows. Everybody knows. And this is kind of what we find out is the plan coming up to get this idea of getting Kate off the board. But you end up having her convince them, let's split up. Now, this is my problem with the issue. The idea that you do spell out that Pyro and Bishop are doing a security sweep of the Marauder ship. You end up having what I told you about Yellow Jacket's log to Verende where he's talking about all the cool things that are in the Marauder ship. And, oh, my God, this isn't a warship. This is an awesome ship. It has a hair and nail salon, all these things. And even to the point at the end where maybe you're going to get a way out of this, you know, with the idea that Yellow Jacket's like, yeah, you know, everybody's been telling me these mutants are nonsense and I should be mad and get on board here. But kind of seem pretty cool to me. I mean, they seem pretty relaxed. At one point, Pyro's just watching Rick and Morty while while they're going. It, it doesn't seem like, you know, he, Yellowjacket, expected that all this would be is, okay, we got done fighting, let's plot some more destruction against the humans. And it's not. They're just hanging. We know that. But you end up having that security sweep that leads, from, you know, that. Why aren't they doing any sort of sweep of this ship? The ship that they're on, that was Pierce's Marjorie ship that has this crazy armor, anti-mutant armor. Yeah, you kind of think you surprised them, which you didn't, but you think you did. But even so, this isn't. This could be something where, in my mind, you are transporting around this armor that's real bad evidence against you as well. So if it gets taken over, you have a detonator that can blow up the ship. You, you might want to check into that. You might want to check in, is this armor, you know, are they robots? So I don't know, but they don't check it out. And that does cause problems because when Storm says, all right, well, I'll let the council know that you're on your way. We'll meet you on M. We'll do all this. I'm off. Hey, have a good time. And it's just Kate and Lockheed there as they're sailing away. Well, as they're sailing away, you end up seeing one of the anti-mutant armors opening up and somebody's getting out of it. Something that probably would have been seen, maybe, I mean, maybe there's a cloaking deal, but might have been seen by a sweep. Well, you see this, whoever it is, we're going to find out in a second, come up and pretty much shoot a netting over Lockheed, taking Lockheed out of the equation. And then we see it, Sebastian Shaw. And he says, hey, I got these seeds from Krakoa. I'm going to throw them down there. All of a sudden, vines grow up out of the seeds and end up kind of tying her up. And then he just goes and tells her everything that has happened here. We're all part of his problem, part of his plan, I mean. And the problem was Kate. He wants to get rid of her. He wants that seat. He wants the seat in the quiet council that she has. He needs his son Shinobi to be the Red King. And so he's going to kill He's going to kill her. And the idea that she may not come back, he's using that as, you know, insurance where I'm going to kill you. Nobody's going to know that I did it. It's going to be great. She claims that she's coming back, but we don't know that. And she doesn't either. She's talking a big game. Well, you end up having Sebastian throw Lockheed all tied up with no place to go and throws him overboard into the water, seemingly to drown, and then ends up hitting a button, blows up the ship. 
that ends up getting a leak in the bottom and ends up sinking. And as it's sinking, you, you do continue to have Sebastian Shaw just talk crap and show you. And we end up seeing more than what he's telling Kate. He just says, it wasn't real difficult. I already have tons of money from all this medicine and stuff like that. So, you know, he ended up, you see that he bribed uh, Pierce from Marjapur. Then ends up where some people just wanted to join. And you do see that Frost ended up joining just so that Bobby wouldn't have anybody to watch over. So then would join his crew. I mean, that's the worst one of all. I'm like, that is bad. And then just says, I even used you. I mean, when you guys did your power play to get Shinobi here in Marjapur just to kind of get on my nerves, that's set up more and more. And we did remember when they ended up taking off too. The emergency that happened with Shinobi's ship and the refugees, you did end up having Sebastian watching and it's like, yep, the plan's going well. So it's no real shock. As this is going on, though, you know, the ship that Kate's on is sinking and she yells. The last thing she yells is, I'll live again only to kill you. And when I return, you will beg for my blade. And then she dies. She's dead. And you end up having Sebastian say, perhaps, Kitty, but not today. And yeah, the the whole thing that he says to her, because she says, listen, when Lockheed goes over, she says, listen, I, I don't, whatever you want, I will get the, I'll get off of this quiet council. Just please don't kill Lockheed, save him. I, I don't want him dead. And you have special, oh no, you're all going to die and I'm going to take this. And she says, this is all about a council seat. Like, really? And he goes, oh no, no, it's about a third seat and all the other things because in his mind, and and he's a jerk. You know, he is, but he's thinking the money making deal of if we have these things going on and we end up having negotiations with the whole hellfire trading company with some nations, they're not going to want to deal with Emma. She is a telepath. They're not going to deal with that. They look at me and see just they think I'm human. They think I'm cool, whatever. And they'll do this. I'll make everybody tons of money. That's what this is about. It's also about just control. And he hates the idea and he's a piece of crap. So I I don't think there's even less than him not liking to have to deal with two ladies that end up being able to stop everything he does. And that's driving him nuts. I mean, he's a piece of crap. So this is all going, but you end up and there it is. Kate is dead. We don't know if she can resurrect. We don't know if they need the body. I I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on. Obviously, this continues on and people probably do know at least a little. But yeah, after the spoiler, I didn't hear much. And and at this point, you know, I'm starting to kind of get interested again and doing some stuff. So I was avoiding slight spoilers, but not really. But yeah, we'll see what's going on. But the the nitpick of them not sweeping that ship does bother me. But I'm still going to give this an 8.8. I could even go as 9. I mean, it's huge that Kate dies, but it is just a big battle. But everything is played out nice. The dialogue, everything's good. Sebastian is just bad, but he did have a plan and shows how smart he is as well. So I'll go 8.9. 8.9, I will go. But we're going to go off to the last book of the podcast and yeah i don't like that that much all right excalibur number six written by teeny howard art by marcus toe colors by eric arcianaga and letters by vc's Corey pettit the beginning of the end betsy braddock holds the title of captain britain she and her team must defend britain and all of earth from mystical threats like evil sorceress morgan lefay who is laying siege to otherworld attempting to claim it for her own 
having already possessed Betsy's twin brother, Brian, while the Excalibur team managed to hold off a wave of monsters and complete the ritual to access Otherworld, it came at a great cost, a recently awakened rogue draining Apocalypse of his life force and seemingly becoming Rogopolix, Apocalrogue. You know, all that she kind of looks like Apocalypse. She's using some kind of combined powers type thing like that. And I didn't know if that meant anything with the resurrection. If the life force is kind of being used inside of Rogue, well, we start out by showing that that's not the case. So the big idea, even in this recap, comes after you already see the resurrection of Apocalypse. Cause this is, so it's kind of silly. Where you're ending up, oh my god, the great cost, you know, oh my god, it came at great cost, a rogue draining a pocket, we've just seen him resurrect to get to that page. This is the start of my issues with this issue. I don't like this book. I think that this book is nonsense. I have no interest in any of the characters, and I do like Betsy. I do actually love Rogue and Gambit. I even like Apocalypse, which you have seen or heard me say, especially like the last official X-Men flagship title deal. Everybody in this book is lame. And, and this whole deal, I don't care about Otherworld. I really can't stress how much I don't care about this book. We'll go through this quick, though. And I'll continue doing it just because we are. We're doing all of them. But you do see Apocalypse being resurrected. And being greeted right away by a Jamie Braddock. That pretty much spoils what the plan is by the time it happens. Basically, is Apocalypse is going to go down. He is going to kind of finagle Morgan Le Fay into accepting a challenge between both Brian versus Betsy in a battle. Let's battle, see who's the real Captain Britain's down here. Uh, only to set up first off Betsy, she could be resurrected if she dies. So there's no real no stakes with her. Uh, if Brian dies, there's trouble. But Betsy will never kill her brother. But you end up having the whole deal being that Jamie Braddock is waiting in the wings. And if Brian does tend to, you know, or does die, which is what Apocalypse says is going to happen anyway. You know, Jamie can reset it, and you just it's nonsense. I really don't like it. Did I say I didn't like it? Well, you go to the other world, and you see the big battle between Morgan Le Fay and, you know, the mind-controlled evil Brian versus the Excalibur team. The art's pretty good. I mean, things are going on. The battle's going back and forth, all this stuff. And then Apocalypse shows up. With his cane walking, he's feeble Apocalypse, which I, I don't know necessarily that we've seen a real feeble guy coming after the, you know, resurrection, but there he is. And he's there. And you have Betsy say, you know, okay, we're, we're real outnumbered. Let's figure something out. Apocalypse says, no, no, I have an idea. I'm going to go talk to that Morgan Le Fay. Uh, she's, you know, she'll listen to me. I'll go. I'm, I'm usually not much of a talker, but. I got this cane. Eh, what, what the heck? Let's give it a shot. And, oh, no, you, you can't. You, you're too weak. No, no, no. I'm going to go and, and talk. So he ends up going over. And it does look pretty gruesome where you do have old Brian there with a chain connected to Morgan. She, and also does kind of look like a Batman who laughs kind of type deal. Weird. But you end up. Hey, uh, how about we have a fight? Yeah, I know you guys. I've been to, you know, the Renaissance Fair. 
people are always having these jousts and things and, and fights. I mean, we could even probably make a meal and, and call this, you know, like medieval times restaurant. It'd be cool, right? We could eat some stuff and we'll have Betsy and Brian battle. Whoever wins is the champion. This will be fun. And like, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Oh, no. You know, and so they just end up fighting and they're going to fight. That's where Apocalypse says that he knows that Betsy will kill Brian or at least Brian will die. And if that does happen where you do end up having in the mind, you have uh, Apocalypse kind of setting up the pieces of what you have to do, what's going on, does end up saying to Jubilee, don't worry if this happens, how I think I have a remedy. I have a remedy for death. If it's Brian dying, so they're going and it does end up where in a weird panel that I really didn't understand completely where you do end up having them going to grab a sword and the sword just gets run through Brian. But it seems like a lot had to go with that. Um, But, yeah, it seems like there was probably a little mind control deal and things like that. Jamie is there, so I would say, but it's not played out that well. And it does end up where Brian dies. Well, with that, you do have what was set up. Shogo is there in his dragon form before it was all that problem that if he did the hellfire, the dragon fire, it was it ends up tearing through the fabric of the deal. Well, Apocalypse again on the theo, I have something for that. Don't worry. I have that covered. All the things that it's all Jamie. It's all Jamie Braddock who has it covered. So it's just kind of that, you know. Deus Machina here Where all of a sudden You just have Jamie do everything Because Brian's dead Well, Jamie can bring him back And does And then you end up having him Then trapping Morgan Le Fay Because he wants And I'm sure he's going to toy around with her Then we get, you know, the whole deal Where Brian finds out Jamie's back Oh, you didn't tell me Jamie's all Oh, my Betsy, you didn't tell You did keep the secret All right, let's go Let me put dunce caps on you guys And we'll laugh And we'll get out of here Oh, my And Jamie's just going to rule the land He's going to rule Otherworld Which you end up like He can't rule Otherworld And Apocalypse does have a point here with what do you mean? There's no one better to fit. He's got ultra powers. He's also a Braddock. I mean, it, it makes sense. He He's the ruler now. There you go. So you go that that's that. And it just ends up happening. I'm like, why? Why didn't they just end up having Jamie just go down and say, listen, everyone, I'm going to be the king. We wasted a lot of time on this really for nothing. You do get Brian back. But then even by the end, he gets annoying. You also then go off because. Now it seems that the apocalypse powers and life forces burned out a rogue. So she's back to just being plain old rogue. And she's sitting in the hot tub with Gambit. They're going to have a drink and talk about the idea of having a baby, which they don't want one. Rogue doesn't want a baby, but Krakoa wants babies. And everybody talks about the babies. And I thought they were going to have me have a baby. And I... And then, hey, wouldn't it be fun to try to have a baby even if we're not going to have a baby? Because then we can practice and that's the fun part. All right. Let's do it. That sounds sexy. Oh, yeah. This is the greatest. I do what I want. Yeah, so they're just not going to have babies. So there you go. You get Rogue and Gambit together, babyless. So, yeah, but they'll still have their cats. Well, then you go off to Braddock Manor, and I'm telling you, this is where I'm done. And this is where maybe I'm missing something. I told everybody, I'm not a learned man. I don't know a lot about Captain Britain. 
or like I like to say, Captain Breton is how I say it. And I, that just proves I know nothing. So when you end up having Betsy, man, can't find Brian. Where is he? Oh, let's go in his room. Oh, man, he's crying and he has a sword. And Brian says, I failed the test. And Betsy says, oh, my God, the sword of might. How did you get that? Now, she always claims like she doesn't know a lot about the things like she's learning. And this is where I think that Teeny Howard fails epically with a lot of these things. With a Betsy just becoming a Captain Britain and going through, that is the best opportunity to explain to people like me who don't know anything about things. And because you can say that Betsy doesn't really know tons, so she has to learn. So you can even have something like, oh, then what's that sword? And then, oh, well, that's the sword of might. Well, he does go through it, but you've already kind of missed an opportunity. But he says, you know, oh, I had that dream. You know, when they come to you, yeah, there, there it looks like, you know, you got the Merle. They, they, oh, they, they gave me the choice. I could either take the amulet of right. Or the sword of might. It's kind of like rhyming and stealing here. You got the amulet of right or the sword of might. Which one are you going to pick? But it do. You have all that. It's getting late, by the way. So he ends up saying, guess what? I picked the sword. Well, in my mind, the weird thing is, is that what if he picked the, you know, if he ended up picking the amulet of right, because it seems that Betsy has that already. She's going to get, but still. You know, oh, no, I picked the sword. What am I going to do? I picked the sword. I picked the sword. I'm like, what you're going to do is you're going to get the sword. Stop your crying. And I, this is going to be the worst because, you know, they all hate you as Captain Britain because you're a mutant. I went to Betsy like, okay, you know, Ixnay on the eight. Hey, I, I realize this. I don't need you throwing it in my face. They're going to make me take that sword and, and go against you. And I don't under. And I'm like, I don't understand because then Betsy says, oh, they can try all they want. Everybody tries to get us against each other. It hasn't worked. I'm like, yeah. And still, what's going on? What's really at play here? Because I still don't really get it. Uh, yeah, but don't you know the, the sword? It's shame. And I picked the wrong one. And I, oh, no, no. You know what? I, I think that the sword fits you pretty well. I think that you could do good with that sword. It's going to be great. No, they'll make me kill you. And and then it, it just makes me sick looking at it. I hate it. And she, he says, they won't accept you about, you know, Betsy. They won't accept you if they find out about me. They want me to wield the sword against you. It makes me sick. And I, all right, whatever. And, yeah, you just end up, well, I have the amulet. And, and you know, I, I always kind of was a gal who likes a sword, right? Yeah, you kind of were a sword gal. So here, let's switch. Let's do switcheroonies. No takes backsies is what's going on. You have the amulet. I'll have the sword. It's going to be awesome. And, and then Brian says, listen, please, I beg of you, take the sword and put it away. Put it away and never look at it. Don't even think about it. You know that that's not going to happen. I mean, the way he stresses this, it's like, all right, <laughs> this is going to cause some trouble. Put it away. Don't do it. You don't want any of this. You don't need it. All right, give me that sword and stop you, you know, complaining. Let's go. And then you just end the issue. I'm telling you, I'm trying to have fun here. I, every second of this read, I hated it. And then you end up going to the other world again, you know. I hate that. Hey, there's Jamie. He's bored. Jamie likes to kind of be a jerk. He likes to, you know, flaunt his stuff. I'm surprised he even kept that robe on. That he has. I'm surprised he's not just going around. This is my kingdom. I'm going out with my junk out. But he ends up there and like, hey, uh, hey, you, you around Apocalypse? You there? 
where is he? Oh, man, where'd that guy go? I, I really need to talk to him. I, I, I just thought of some jokes and things. And plus, you know, we're, we're kind of getting attacked by witches and stuff. And I don't like that. So let me go find him. Hey, Apocalypse, you down there? You down in the lab, are you? You got the lab glasses on? All right, well, you know, we're kind of getting attacked and stuff. And I don't know what's with these witches, but what? oh, my God, what are you doing? And he's just, you know, Frankensteining up experiments on Morgan Le Fay, where he's trying to figure out by the next page, you see, he's trying to figure out this component. He's trying to figure out, you know, component Y. My component Y is why am I reading this? But he's trying to figure out this magic time deal other world where, you know, this seems like this has all been his plan all along. And the one thing is he is actually dissecting Morgan Le Fay. He is not, you know, doing a uh, autopsy or anything because she's still alive. It's the thing. And it says autopsy would be the incorrect word as she remains very much alive. This is a dissection. It, it's pretty awful. She's laying there. I have a feeling she's going to become the bride of A by the end that she's he's got like her open. I remember when my wife we have I have five kids. Me and my wife have five boys. And on the fifth one, they ended up saying all the others. Well, actually, it's a weird deal. First kid, there was problems. We had to have a C-section, right? So then we had all natural birth. But then on our last kid, our fifth kid, Logan, they said, we really suggest you do a C-section. And so they ended up where I was there at the birth. And they have like the tent thing around so I can't see anything. But I'm there, you know, talking to my wife a little. She's going to be out. But the, the baby's taken out. And then they say, hey, Mr. Warner, do you want to cut the cord? And I'm telling you that all five times and I still was never used to it. But I start walking over and they say to me, hey, don't look over at your wife because, you know, there's some exposed things, there, guts, things, not like sexy things. This is like, you know, you, you're not going to want to look. That's not what you tell me. This is one of the I, I tell you, I am one of the guys. If you have somebody eating something and they say, this is the worst thing I've ever tasted. I have to taste it. This is one, if you remember Eric, who was he's on the DC show with me all the time, but used to be on the Marvel show. We worked together until I got laid off recently. And we worked on a machine that ended up getting, you know, cherry red hot, a metal deal. And every time this would happen, this is the craziness that ends up where I, you think that's that hot, I'd say to Eric. And he's like, yeah, it's hot. I mean, it's hot. Really, you think I can touch it? And and he would no, don't don't touch it. I'd always touch. It. I'd always burn a finger just touching it, like an idiot. And I knew this was going to happen, but I wanted to see if I could do it. And it's just craziness. But when I'm walking by and they say, "Don't look over to your wife," you know, there's things that are out of her body that shouldn't be. Things like that. Don't look over. I looked right over, and all I saw was exactly this setup. But what I said was the red pit to hell. She was opened up with this little box that looked like there, and it looked like I was seeing into the depths of hell, probably the fourth level. It it was awful, but it it actually was awful in a scary way, not a disgusting way. Now, also, she had some guts taken. It's, it is bad, but it, it's more of the thing that it, it scared the crap out of me. I'm easily scared. So then I went over and cut the cord, which always, if you haven't cut a baby's cord, if you haven't done that, and if you did, you, you might agree, you end up thinking that you got these, you know, shears, you got the pinking shears there, you're going to end up cutting this cord and snip. All right. No, no, no. You got to put some effort. 
you got to put some elbow grease. And the more you're trying to put the elbow grease and you're feeling it, oh, my God, now that's disgusting. And it, it almost made me pass out every time, even the fifth time. Uh-huh. So then just, just to continue the story, we end up and they're doing some tests on Logan, little baby. They're checking. So I'm, I'm there. They're having me there. And this one intern doctor is there and's like, five kids. What is this guy thinking? These people are irresponsible for doing this. I'm just sitting there like, uh, <laughs> excuse me. I mean, really, it might be true, but still, you don't say that. And finally, the one, the surgeon, like, y- this is the husband here. And sh- this lady, oh, pleased to meet you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, pleased to meet you too, jerk, is what I said. And then I went like this. Just been just revoked. Been revoked. But I, I didn't do anything. That was in my head. Hey, jerk. And yeah, so then we had Logan. And then we went from there. That was our last kid. She ended up getting her, her all the vasectomy, all that stuff. Not a vasectomy, a hysteria, all that taken care of. It was all done. One shot. Boom, boom, and a boom. No more kids. But yeah, I looked to the fourth level of hell that day and saw myself looking back. That, that, that's the twist of it. That's the crazy twist. But yeah, I like talking about that more than, than this book. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to give this a 4 out of 10. I don't enjoy it. The art's really good, though, so it's tough. I mean, when you end up reading something like this and don't have any interest in it, is that me? Is it Teeny Howard's writing? Is it a combo? But I'm reviewing this as my own personal deal, and to me, this is not hitting. I am being less and less interested in any of what's going on. That's not how things are supposed to work out. You're supposed to be the opposite. You're supposed to start liking it more. And yeah, we're ending this kind of other world story and starting. But I really, really don't like this book and, you know, dread it now. I I haven't really dread. I, I thought that I was dreading reading Fallen Angels. I do think that the idea that I knew it was six issues all along made it so that I didn't necessarily love talking about it, but I I didn't dread it like I'm dreading this. And it just stinks. But again, like I said, your experience may differ. You may love Captain Britain and know more and realize how big that last scene was when, you know, Brian's crying the blues about a dream and a sword. But that didn't hit with me. The whole thing with Rogue eh, and just everything with Apocalypse I'm not interested in. And uh, yeah, so what we're going to be doing now, I usually don't give the full roundup for the next episode, but I think that the next episode will probably come out Monday night just because this one came out Saturday night uh, a day later than what I usually like it to be uh, because I was doing a bunch of videos, which you should go check out. But we'll talk about that in a second. But next episode, we will finish Fallen Angels. We're going to have X-Men number five. Fallen Angels number six and New Mutants number six. That's a pretty good threesome there. And that's what we'll do. But thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoy me rambling on like a Robert Plant. But if you want to go check out our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, I'll I'll try to put a link in the deal so you can check it out, all the videos. I think the Marvel ones that I had so far were Daredevil and Miles Morales. We also have a Twitter page, WS Marvel Comics. Follow us, we'll follow you back. We also have the website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. All of the reviews hit on Wednesday from Marvel, so you can check that out. And we have a Patreon if you want to help us out, support us for all the stuff we do on this feed, the DC stuff, but also get a lot of other things in return. Be real nice of you. And you can go and go to patreon.com slash weirdscience. 
And also, I, I don't mention a lot, but if you would kindly rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to it, that'd be great, too. That always helps out. So thanks, everybody, and I will talk to you later.